This family's just one tent away from a full-blown circus. My name is Andrea, and this is Adult Child. Welcome back to Adult Child, where we take a deep dive into the impact of growing up in a dysfunctional family. Ahoy, my dear shit shows. How are we doing? Welcome to any new listeners. I'm Andrea, and welcome to your new your new shit show family. Your your new chosen shit show family. Uh, the the odds are good, but the goods are odd. I don't think that really applies here, but <laughs> that's a saying that they use to describe dating and in like AA, they say the the odds are good, but the goods are odd. And I think that that very much describes what the hell's going on here in your new chosen shit show family. Uh, That reminds me actually of this Instagram video that I made, I don't know, a couple months ago, six months ago, that I feel like did not get the appreciation that it deserves deserved. So how about I recreate it for you right now so you guys can appreciate it. So I did a rendition of of We Are Family, but I did it uh, the dis- the dysfunctional family remix. So hold on, let me let me take a little sip here of my LaCroix. Mm. Okay. You ready for this? Don't say I didn't warn you. <laughs> okay. This is how I made it. Everyone can see that we're crazy as we walk on by and we fly just like birds over the cuckoo's nest and we all fit like all of the people around us they say can they be that nuts just let me stay for the record we give and shame in a toxic dose we are family. Hey, 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 y'all. I got all my scapegoats with me. What do you think? Pretty good. (laughs) Pretty damn good, right? Oh, Lord. Do I get the weirdest host award? I hope I do. The weirdest and the coolest? Okay. Yeah. But by new listeners, I I understand. Uh, So today we are diving deep into... A whole bunch of shit, actually. It's going to be like a variety show. Let's see. I think this format could actually be kind of fun. So let me know what you think. So first, we're going to get a little story time, a little Andrea story time. Then we're going to talk about trauma responses, emotional flashbacks, and how the hell to cope with them. And then we are going to top her off with a little with a little Barb Nangle time. So I asked Barb if she could give me her her holiday greatest hits. So she's going to be giving us some tips and pointers and boundary stuff, affirmation stuff, just to give us a little, it's like a little B12 shot for the holidays, basically for Thanksgiving, getting you ready for Thanksgiving. So let's, um, let's, let's get a move on. But first a few things. Number one, merch alert, merch alert. We have new merch we have new merch. I have spent way too many hours on this, or maybe just enough, but I'm not kidding you. I've spent like, I don't know, over a hundred hours working on this new merch, designing it, redesigning it, putting it on the website, a lot of time. And I'm pretty happy with what has come from it. So we have shit show stuff. We have condiment themed stuff. We have inner child stuff. We have broken picker stuff. We have dysfunctional family thing stuff. We have like clothing and candles and notebooks and mugs and wall art. So you know how we have this policy here of of giving me a damn five-star review? Like do not pass go unless you give me a five-star review. Well, we have a new policy and that is you gotta buy at least one thing, okay? You gotta buy at least one thing. I know that you have gifts. I I know you have at least one gift that you need to buy in the next few months. I mean, let's be honest. 
Uh, you probably have way more than one gift that you need to buy. And those gifts that you need to buy are on my website. Those gifts lie at adultchildpodcast.com slash shop. And think about it as like charity. Like this is like a charitable act, okay? Like no, you can't write it off. You can't write this off your taxes, okay? I'm not going to lie to you and say that you can. However, this podcast is saving the damn world, am I right? (laughs) So how about you go buy something from my damn shop and to butter it up a little bit more and really make you go order it. Uh, We're having a little sale here. So for my uh, Patreon pirate peeps, you guys are going to get an additional special discount codes, which I will be sending out to all y'all. But for the rest of you shit shows, okay, 5% off all orders you can use the code SHITSHOW5 and 10% off orders over $75. So that's SHITSHOW10. I will include that information in the show notes. So go go get your little shop on, okay? Go get your little shop on right now. Um, as I said, this is a new requirement to listen to this podcast. So, it, you know, if you if you don't buy anything... Don't say I didn't warn you when, you know, in, in a couple weeks you go on your your phone or wherever you listen to the, to the app um, and and you can't find the podcast anymore. It's it's disappeared off the Internet for you. That's because I've deemed you a suppressive person like like they do in um, in Scientology. Uh, so don't don't say I didn't warn you. OK, so uh, adultchildpodcast.com slash shop do it. Next, I want to give a shout out to my newest Patreon shit shows. Patreon is where I host three weekly Zoom support groups with a whole bunch of rather rad people. Um, Patreon peeps too. Just want to let you know, I'm still going to have the meeting on Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving evening. Uh, Cause boy, do we know we need it. So thank you, thank you, thank you to these fine ass shit shows. Ilyov, Brandy, Shan Shan, Catherine, Rachel, Jesse, Janice, Corey, Jesse, and Cassie. You guys are the shit. How about you go follow suit? Patreon.com slash adult child. Next, uh, go give me a little follow on the Insta, on the TikTok, at adult child pod. And last but not least, Give me a damn five-star rating on Apple and Pot and Spot and Spotify. Wow, I'm really killing it today. Apple and Spotify, but especially on Apple, I'm trying to get to a thousand reviews by the end of the year. I'm actually let's try to, let's get to a thousand reviews by the end of this month. Okay, we can get there. We are currently at we're at 984. Okay, and I just want to give a little shout out to this person. Uh, who wrote this review, okay? So they said, I don't listen on this platform, but I just came over here to drop a review towards a thousand. Thanks for the show. But what I most want to um, bring attention to in this review is that it says that this person's username is, I don't want a nickname 410. (laughs) So if you don't know, you know, I've, a lot of people in, in the Patreon community, I have given them nicknames. So I don't know if that's in reference to this, or perhaps this is just already their thing. Perhaps their whole life, they've just never wanted a nickname. But I just want to let you know, person, uh, angel baby that gave me this review, that you have, you just gave yourself a nickname, okay? You will be forever known as, I don't want a nickname. Uh, so I hope I hope you're okay with that. <laughs> Go give me a damn five-star review, okay? Thanks. Two quick things I realized I forgot to mention. One is the sale for the merch. It's going to start on uh, Thursday evening, and it's going to run through Monday. So that is four and a half days for you to get your shop on. Absolutely no excuse. No excuses, okay? And then number two... So in the tail end of this solo portion of me that you're going to hear, 
Um, and the final part is going to be Barb. I guess my mic got disconnected, so it's going to sound a little bit weird. I didn't realize it until later, and I didn't want to have to re-record it. It sounds fine. It's just going to sound different. So just wanted to give you a little heads up there, okay? Okay, so now it's story time. And as many of my great stories are set at a Yacht Rock concert, so does this one. (laughs) So I'm a Yacht Rock whore, and I'm not afraid to admit it. I love my Yacht Rock. And there is this cover band here in San Francisco called Mustache Harbor, and I'm their fucking groupie, and I've brought them up many times in the podcast. And I got to see them this past Saturday. Uh, My friend Tiffany came into town and we got to go and see them. And I was really excited because I'm actually, for those of you who don't know, I'm leaving San Francisco permanently and I'm going to be moving back to Florida in a couple weeks. And so I was really excited that I had an opportunity to go dance my ass off before I head back to Florida. So the very first time that I saw this band was with Brian number two. So one of the many gifts, truly, that Brian number two gave me, in addition to like a shitload of pain and misery, was the introduction of this yacht rock band, Mustache Harbor. So this is probably November of 2018. And this girl who lived in his building, we were friendly with her and her fiance at the time. And so she told me that about this this band and that they were going to a concert and asked if we wanted to go to this Yacht Rock cover band concert with them. And I said, hell yeah, let's do it. So this at this point in time, Brian number two was in a boot. So he had torn his Achilles. I actually don't know if I've shared this before. So a couple weeks into our relationship, Brian tore his Achilles. I think that he told me that he tore it on a treadmill. I don't know actually what really happened, but what I do know is that my sick codependent ass self was actually kind of excited (laughs) that he broke his Achilles, tore his Achilles, because that meant that I got to play nurse. That meant that I got to take him to his surgery, pick him up from his surgery, and take care of him for days after I got to spend like three or four days straight with him in his apartment. A codependent dream, am I right? And I also was optimistic, hopeful, that maybe this meant too that he wouldn't drink as much or that maybe he wouldn't want to go out to bars as much because he was in this boot. Uh, Yeah, that did not turn out to be the case. Shocking, right? So we go to this concert. He's in his boot and the the band was amazing. And of course, Brian number two gets progressively drunk as the evening goes on. And it's towards the end of the show. They probably had a few more songs left. And he turns to me and he says that he wants to leave. Now, I didn't want to leave. However, I knew that this was my small window, my small opportunity to actually leave and go back to the apartment because I knew that if I didn't go now, Brian was going to continue to drink more and then he'd never want to go home. He'd just want to stay out and drink more. So had to seize the day. So we leave, we get in the Uber. I just remember him being so fucking annoying. (laughs) He was so annoying, so drunk. And we're a couple blocks from his apartment where he then pulls his little switcheroo move that I've shared before, where I would think that we're going, the plan is to go back to his apartment. And then we're like a couple blocks away from his apartment. And then he tells the, the Uber driver, no, actually just let us out right here. And shockingly, right here is always in front of a bar. And I'm the good little codependent slave that I am. I follow him right into that bar, even though I don't want to be there, even though I'm fucking miserable, even though I live just a couple blocks away and I could have gone home, but going home 
wasn't even an option. It wasn't even an option to me. And by the time we finally do get back to his apartment, he's so drunk that he can't get up the stairs and I have to call his neighbor and ask them to help me carry him up the three flights of stairs to get him into his apartment. Fun times. Fun times. God. I don't ever want to be in that place ever, ever again. And I feel pretty confident that I never will be. Hearts out to anybody that is living in that hellhole now and praying that you reach your bottom and get to a place where you know that you don't have to live that way anymore. I promise you. So fast forward a year or so, Brian number two is out of the picture and I am in adult child recovery now. And I go to see Mustache Harbor with my Lyft driver. Now I have shared this story on the podcast. I'm not going to share the whole story. I will include a link in the show notes if you want to go listen to the story. But at this point in time, I am on this journey of trying to figure out what the fuck I'm supposed to be doing with my life. So if you're newer to the pod or you haven't listened to other episodes where I've shared this, part of hitting my adult child bottom was this realization that I had never really considered what a fulfilling career would look like for me. So at the time, I was an accountant. Yes, I was an accountant. (laughs) I was a CPA. I was working for KPMG and audit, and I was miserable and yeah, when I hit this adult child bottom, I just realized that all I had really been working towards was trying to find a guy, get married and have kids. And I guess what I was really working on was <laughs> finding an active alcoholic husband to marry me and have kids. Uh, but I realized that I was selling myself short and that I was deserving of having a fulfilling career. So I not only embarked on this journey to heal my childhood pain, but I also embarked on this journey to figure out what was my greater purpose. Why was I put on this earth? And so when I go to this concert with my Lyft driver, I'm in the middle of this journey still not having any sort of idea exactly what I was supposed to do or what I was going to do. But I was starting to gather data about myself. I had had these experiences where I was learning about myself and what makes me unique and special. And a lot of this had to do with my interactions with strangers and specifically related to my vulnerability, my openness, my ability to talk to everyone and everything and just be my 100% unapologetically authentic self from the moment that you meet me. And having these like rather profound experiences as a result of these qualities that I possess. And so I'm at the concert with this Lyft driver (laughs) and, uh, and all of a sudden I just have this wave of like energy come over me And this deep sense of gratitude and this deep feeling of, it's almost like a a buzzing or uh, like a vibration that I experience when I have these divinely inspired interactions with strangers. It's when I feel most connected to myself. It's when I feel most connected to my higher power. And the thought that came to me, and I'm going to sound ridiculous saying this, but I'm going to say it. The thought that came to me was like, Andrea, you're so cool. I was like, you're so cool. Who would go to a concert with their Lyft driver, who would randomly just invite their Lyft driver to the the concert with them and and actually go that, especially as a sober gal, as a sober single female, (laughs) who would do that? And then the next feeling that came to me or the next thought that came over me was, there is something here. There is something here. You're supposed to be doing something with this, that the qualities the traits that you possess that would make you the type of person to go to a concert with your Lyft driver, that that is tied into your greater purpose. 
that that is what you're supposed to be doing from a career perspective. And it wouldn't be until, you know, a few years later that I would actually have the idea to start the podcast. But that was just like a very significant moment for me. And, you know, over the course of the pandemic, I was not having as many, I wasn't out and about as much as I typically was, right? None of us were. So I didn't really get to have, I wasn't having those divinely inspired stranger interactions as much as I was pre-pandemic. I mean, I would have those experiences on, on a weekly basis almost. So now let's fast forward to, I don't know, maybe six or nine months ago. I shared this on the podcast too after it happened. So it was my first time seeing Mustache Harbor since uh, COVID. So I'm going by myself. I love going to ship by myself, guys, because just throw me into a room and I will destroy the damn place. (laughs) I will destroy the damn place. I pick a target. I walk up to them and I, uh, I break the ice with some weird ass line as if you've known me for a year. This never like, oh, um, hi, I'm Andrea or, oh, uh, what, what brought you here tonight? It's always just something weird as if, we've been friends for years and you kind of are looking at me like, do I know this girl? Because I don't think a stranger would ever say that to me. I'm that gal. So I go to this show and I I pick a target. (laughs) I go up to this gentleman and I think my icebreaker was, uh, let's play name that tune. So I have this Rain Man ability to me to where I can recognize a song like really quickly. Just give me a couple damn notes and I can name that tune. Even when I'm in like restaurants or out in public places where the background noise is so noisy and nobody else in the whole damn place can hear the music that's being played, I can hear it and I can identify the song. So I go up to this gentleman and I'm just like, want to play name that tune. And so name that tune is when the band starts playing the next song, let's see who can who can name it the fast, the quickest. And this gentleman, you know, the music that's being played is is more of his generation than mine. And uh, I mean, I think he's probably thinking, I got this one in the bag. (laughs) But he doesn't know who he's dealing with here, which is me. Uh, (laughs) God bless him. So yeah, we start playing this game. And of course, I kick his ass. And over the course of the evening, we start talking and at some point I share that I'm sober and at some point I share with him about my podcast and it turns out that he had been to outpatient rehab before, uh, that he was wanting to get sober but was having a hard time doing it and that he was dealing with some generational trauma that was coming to the surface that he had just started working with a therapist for that. So he was a his father was a Holocaust survivor and some of that generational trauma was coming to the surface for him. And so then I was able to share one of my episodes that was with uh, the child of a, a Holocaust survivor. That episode is really, really, really good. If you guys haven't listened to that episode, I'll include that in the show notes. But that was with Alan Kaufman, who's an author, but his mother was a Holocaust survivor. And that was one of my favorite conversations that I had ever had, have ever had. So if you haven't listened to that one, highly recommend listening to it. Um, but yeah, so it's just, I had that feeling, that that buzzing, connected universe, divinely inspired synchronicity moment flooded my body. So now let's fast forward to this past weekend. So my friend Tiffany comes to town and we're going to go to the concert together. Oh, so she was actually staying. She stayed this past weekend at the Ritz-Carlton. That also is part of my Brian number two story, uh, where we spent three days. He was in a a 72-hour binge, or I guess he was probably on like a 16-day binge. But we spent 72 hours in that damn Ritz-Carlton, essentially locked in the room, ordering room service and him drinking around the clock. Another just really fabulous memory. And it it was actually over Thanksgiving, too. So what a quinky-dink. Uh, so we go to this show together, having a good time, and uh, I start chatting with with this gentleman. 
I think I also broke the ice again with, with Name That Tune. Tiffany's not as familiar with this music, so I couldn't play with her, so I needed to find somebody that, um, that would want to play this game with me. I guess it's just really all about feeding my ego, isn't it? <laughs> feeding my ego. I, I need I need other people to know that I know a lot of Yacht Rock songs and that I can name a song really quickly. Uh, something to discuss with my therapist there, perhaps. So, yeah. So I start chatting with this guy. We play the name that tune and uh, we're having fun and I'm dropping all my corny jokes and he's getting in. He's enjoying my humor because let's be honest, my sense of humor is like a 50 or 60 year old man's humor. And so it's towards the end of the evening And I'm thinking that this guy, I'm thinking this every time I go to a concert where I'm talking to a stranger or when I'm at a sports bar or whatever, I'm always thinking, this person must think that I'm fucking wasted. (laughs) Because that's the only reason why this girl could be acting that way. So it's towards the end of the night. And I said to him, I was like, you're gonna, this is gonna blow your mind. I said, I'm actually completely sober right now. And I've actually been sober for 14 years. And he looks at me and he goes, are you on the program? And I said, yeah. And he said, I've been sober for four months. And I said, of course you are. Of course you are. Yeah. That, that feeling came over me. And, uh, then I shared with him about the podcast. And then he also, shared then that his father had actually passed away about, I think he said six weeks ago, and that he had been working through processing his unresolved shit with his dad. And then the real cherry on top was when I said, give me your number. I'll send you my podcast. He gave me his number. I said, what's your name? Guess what his name is, guys? Yeah, you know it. His fucking name is Brian. (laughs) His fucking name is Brian. (sighs) So it was just a really special moment. And just to kind of reflect back on what that band, the the purpose that that band (laughs) has served in my journey, what this, the past eight years of living in San Francisco has represented for me. I mean, I came out here for a very clear purpose, for a very clear reason. I came out here because I was supposed to date the Bryans, and I came out here because I was supposed to meet my therapist, and I came out here so that I could have all these experiences with strangers that would be the stepping stones to me starting this podcast and to me sharing these words with you right now. And... I just feel so incredibly grateful. That actually, that was the feeling that came over me when I was at the show, when I was talking to him. And I actually started to get a little bit emotional. I started tearing up and I had to kind of walk away and take a minute with myself. And what came over me was that I feel so incredibly honored that my higher power has has granted me this mission or this this duty to spread the word, to be a voice for this cause. I feel so honored that my higher power allows me these opportunities for people to be placed in my path to serve a purpose. And I feel so incredibly honored and grateful to be a part of each and every one of y'all's journeys. I feel so honored for all of your ears to be listening to me right now. I feel so honored at every single damn Patreon meeting. I feel so honored with every single message that I received you guys, whether it's on Instagram or email or whatever. Thank you. Thank you for letting me be a part of your life. Truly. I feel so honored. I feel so lucky too. We should all feel so lucky and so grateful that we know that we're adult children and that we're being granted this amazing gift, this amazing opportunity to do this work. Because as I say many times, as I get on my soapbox once again, this work 
This isn't just about healing. This is about becoming who we are meant to be. This is about unearthing our true selves and living accordingly and living a life that is fulfilling and having fulfilling and meaningful relationships and interactions and careers. We are granted this gift to discover ourselves in such a deeper way than the average Joe gets to do. So if you are new to this, if you are struggling, if you think that you're never going to get to the other side, I promise you that you will. I promise you that it's going to be so damn worth it. No, I am not promising you that you'll never feel pain or go through a hard time ever again, but you're going to get the tools to be able to deal with it. And, you know, 80% of the time, things are going to be pretty damn good. I mean it. So there was one more significant part of the evening that is going to be a beautiful segue into our next topic on today's variety show of trauma responses. So I was headed home from the concert in the lift. I started chatting with the driver, and it turns out that he is also a BMW mechanic. How does that have to do with trauma responses, you ask? Well, I will explain soon. First, let's talk about what's going on in the brain. I'm sure a lot of you guys already know this, but for somebody who doesn't, this is useful information. So when it comes to the brain and memory, there's many different parts going on, but we're just going to focus on two. So we have the amygdala. This is associated with emotional memory, so the emotions related to a memory, especially as it relates to fear-related memories. So this evolved uh, for fight-flight perspective for us to encode these memories of past threats that we've encountered that if we come across them again, we'll be able to um, respond to them. And then we have the hippocampus. So this is essentially the librarian This is the place where all the various pieces of a memory get stored into one cohesive event. Who, what, where, when, why, blah, 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 blah. But what happens when we are in a trauma response is that our amygdala, the fight-flight part of our brain, revs up, the hippocampus suppresses, and in the aftermath, we have the emotional memory stored within us, but we don't have all of the rest of it. We don't have any sort of context. So when something is reminiscent of this unresolved trauma, when that gets triggered, we go into this response and we don't have what we need within our hippocampus to accurately assess whether or not we're in danger or if we're having an overreaction. And we have no fucking clue that that's actually what's going on. I had no damn clue that what I was experiencing in romantic relationships was a trauma response, that I was going into an emotional flashback. And actually having this realization, learning this about myself, it helped me to have a lot more compassion for myself because I just thought that I was pathetic or desperate or crazy, but I was none of those things. I was having an emotional flashback. My brain and body was getting hijacked and there's absolutely nothing shameful or embarrassing about that. I want to read, I found this on Pete Walker's Uh, website. He says, I often reframe flashbacks as messages from the wounded inner child about the denied or minimized traumas of childhood. In this vein, I paint flashbacks as the inner child righteously clamoring for validation of past parental abuse and neglect. Flashbacks are the child pleading for unmet developmental needs to be met, none more important than the gradual awakening of a healthy sense of self-compassion and self-protection. So now let's talk about triggers. What the hell triggers us into a trauma response? So we have external triggers. So these are people, places, things, events. Um, It could even be facial expressions. P. Walker says, here are some examples of powerful and common triggers. Revisiting your parents, seeing someone who resembles a childhood abuser, experiencing the anniversary of an especially traumatic event, hearing someone use a parent's shaming tone of voice or turn of phrase. Then we have internal triggers. And so this is where we are triggering ourselves 
into a damn trauma response. This is when our inner critic gets so loud and out of control that it sends us into a shame spiral. And so here's the through line to uh, the, the Lyft driver, the BMW mechanic. A few weeks ago, I going to get in my car and I press the unlock button on my key and it doesn't work. And so I think, oh, there must be something wrong with my key. So I go back upstairs, I get my other key, I go back downstairs and that key didn't work either. And I realized that there wasn't anything wrong with my key. There was something wrong with my car, my battery. And I immediately went into a shame spiral and I felt like I had done something horribly wrong and that I was in big, big, big trouble. Thankfully, I was able to recognize that that was what was going on rather quickly. So I stopped what I was doing. I sat down. I closed my eyes. I started to breathe deeply and I noticed where I felt it in my body. And then I told my inner child Uh, you're not in trouble. You didn't do anything wrong. There's nothing wrong with you. There's just something wrong with your car. And that is okay. And it passed. However, I then decided to um, create some unmanageability for myself uh, by not doing anything about it. And part of it was that I was thinking it was going to cost like a shitload of money. I had just had to pay $900 to take my cat to uh, the vet. And so I put off doing anything about it and just creating unnecessary unmanageability and stress in my life, just giving myself a damn shame hit. Uh, After about a week and a half, I was in enough pain to where I called um, Andrew, a a fellow shit show, and told him about it, asked his opinion, and I found out, well, it's actually going to be rather easy to replace it, and it's not going to cost a ton of money. So then I bought a battery I went and picked it up, um, but no, did I take it to a gas station or do anything with this new battery? Nope. I just put it in next to my car in the garage and just let it sit there for, you know, a few, many more days while I, again, create unnecessary unmanageability and shame hit in my life. And then Saturday night, the universe did for me what I could not do for myself and put me in a car with a uh, BMW mechanic who came over to my apartment last night, put in my new battery, and refused payment. So now let's talk about coping with emotional flashbacks. And the number one thing here is to be able to identify that we are in an emotional flashback. Now that's something that comes with time. I would say, you know, for me, five years into this work, I've gotten to the place where, generally speaking, I can ID it rather quickly, almost instantaneously. So how do we identify that we are in the midst of an emotional flashback? I'll just speak for myself. Three things, all of which are present in this battery story. So number one is when I have this dramatic shift in my mood, where I go from zero to 10 to 10 to zero. Uh, That day, I was perfectly happy and fine. It was a good day. And then within a matter of, of seconds... It was the worst day of my entire life, and my life was essentially over. Number two is when I'm overreacting to something. Is the reaction that I'm having appropriate? Is it appropriate? Is it rational to think that your life is over because you need to get a new battery for your car? No, I would I would call that a bit of an overreaction. And then number three is the inner critic that got real, real, real fucking loud. You know, I thought I was a pretty okay gal leading up to that moment. And then within seconds, I was a piece of shit and something to be ashamed or embarrassed about. So those are three things for me. Um, When I have an extreme drastic shift in my mood, when uh, my reaction is out of proportion, and three, when my inner critic starts to get real fucking loud. Oh, one more thing. When there's a sense of urgency. So anytime I feel like there's a sense of urgency that I need to do something right then and there, or I need to um, talk to somebody right then and there, or I need to hear from somebody right then and there. Generally speaking, that means I'm in the midst of a trauma response. So let's say that we go into a trauma response, we go into an emotional flashback, and we can 
identify that. We can recognize that we're having an emotional flashback. However, we don't know what the hell triggered us. Well, that is where a trigger log comes into play, which I've made for you in the in my shop. There is a trauma response notebook. So this is where we record any time that we get triggered, anytime we go into a trauma response. So first column is when and what, what happened and when. Column two is what were the emotions that we were feeling. Three is what were the physical sensations that we were feeling within our body. Four would be what were the thoughts in your head? What was the dialogue in your head? And column five would be, what did we do? How did we respond? How did we react? And through the course of recording this, we may be able to identify patterns and get some clarity as far as what is triggering us. Okay, so you are in a, in the midst of a flashback and you're able to recognize that you are in a flashback. What the hell do you do about it? I'm gonna go through Pete Walker's 13 steps for managing flashbacks. So number one, say to yourself, I am having a flashback. Flashbacks take us into a timeless part of the psyche that feels as helpless, hopeless, and surrounded by danger as we were in childhood. The feelings and sensations you are experiencing are past memories that cannot hurt you now. Two, remind yourself, I feel afraid but I am not in danger. I am safe now here in the present. Remember, you are now in the safety of the present, far from the danger of the past. Three, own your right or needs to have boundaries. Remind yourself that you do not have to allow anyone to mistreat you. You are free to leave dangerous situations and protest unfair behavior. Number four, speak reassuringly to the inner child. That child needs to know that you love them unconditionally that they can come to you for comfort and protection when they feel lost or scared. So that's what I was, when I mentioned earlier, I closed my eyes and I told my inner child, you're not in trouble and you did not do anything wrong. We need to give our inner child that reassurance that we did not receive as kids. Uh, Number five, deconstruct eternity thinking. In childhood, fear and abandonment felt endless. A safer future was unimaginable. Remember, the flashback will pass as it has passed many times before. I guess that is (laughs) the one uh, upside to having prior emotional flashbacks is we do have the history that they don't last forever. Uh, six, remind yourself that you're in an adult body with allies, skills, and resources to protect you that you never had as a child. Seven, ease back into your body. Uh, gently ask your body to relax, breathe deeply and slowly, slow down, find a safe place to unwind, and feel the fear in your body without reacting to it. Fear is just an energy in your body that cannot hurt you if you do not run from it or react self-destructively to it. Number eight is resist the inner critics drasticizing. Is that how you say that? Drastic, drasticizing and catastrophizing. So use thought stopping to halt its endless exaggeration of danger and use thought substitution to replace negative thinking. So within complex PTSD from surviving to thriving, and also on his website, I'm going to post a link to it. He talks a lot about thought substitution and thought correction, and he actually has these scripts that you can say to yourself based off whatever it is that you're dealing with. So so this is for when the inner critic gets real loud. So for example, let's say you're dealing with perfectionism. The thought substitution is my perfectionism arose as an attempt to gain safety and support in my dangerous family. Perfection is a self-persecutory myth. I do not have to be perfect to be safe or loved in the present. I'm letting go of relationships that require perfection. I have a right to make mistakes. Mistakes do not make me a mistake. Every mistake or mishap is an opportunity to practice loving myself in the places I have never been loved. So there are 
14 different scenarios or inner critic attacks that he has these thought uh, correcting scripts that we can say to ourselves over and over and over and over, and w- which we need to do. Anyways, this is rewiring, folks. We got to be consistent. Okay, so number nine, allow yourself to grieve. Flashbacks are opportunities to release old, unexpressed feelings of fear, hurt, and abandonment, and to validate and then soothe the child's past experience of helplessness and hopelessness. Healthy grieving can turn our tears into self-compassion and our anger into self-protection. So this is the same thing as sitting with your feelings. The more you're able to sit with those feelings, the less those feelings are going to be next time. Uh, Number 10, cultivate safe relationships and seek support. 11, learn to identify the types of trigger triggers that lead you to flashbacks. So there, uh, go buy the damn trigger log notebook in the merch shop. 12, figure out what you are flashing back to. Flashbacks are opportunities to discover, validate, and heal our wounds from past abuse and abandonment. They also point to our still unmet developmental needs and can provide motivation to get them met. And 13, be patient with a slow recovery process. It takes time in the present to become unadrenalized and considerable time in the future to gradually decrease the intensity, duration, and frequency of flashbacks. Real recovery is a gradually progressive process. Do not beat yourself up for having a flashback. Yes, do not beat yourself up. Word, Pete Walker. Well, I think that that is enough out of me for now. So, I was reading mostly from Pete Walker's book, Complex PTSD from Surviving to Thriving, but on his website, I'll include a link, he has a lot of excerpts from that book on his website for free. And I would say, you know, the, the, the places that I have the most highlights in, in, in my book, those are, a lot of those are the expert excerpts that are included on his website. So, uh, that is enough out of me. Let's top her off. Let's move on to our next part in this variety show with Barb Nangle, who's going to tell us how the hell to survive the holidays. I hope you all have such a wonderful Thanksgiving, and I would love to hear from you guys. I want to hear, were there some wins? Were you able to do things differently? Or... Were there some learning experiences um, of, of things that you can do better next time in the holidays? I'd love to hear from you guys, and maybe I can share some of those next week. So hit a gal up, okay? All right, guys. Ho, ho, ho. But not, it's a little early for that. <laughs> yeah, it's pirate themed, though, right? No, it's never too early for ho, 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 right? Yo, ho, 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 ho. There you go. I was like, I don't think it's ho, ho, ho. For, you're right. It's yeah, yo, it's ho, yo, ho, ho, ho and a bottle of ketchup. Yeah. Um, we're with Barb. Hi, our, everybody. Uh, our ba- I was going to say, what sounds good with Barb? Boundaries. Like, our gal, Barb. Oh, our, bodacious. I love Barb. Our babe, Barb. Barb the babe. Oh, no, I think you should call me bodacious, Barb. Okay. Self, self-proclaimed. Don't you love that word? Bodacious. Bodacious. I don't know. I think I do. I just, I'll get back to you. Okay. I got a noodle on it. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So tell me, how do I, how do I not be, um, a miserable psychopath over the holidays? Okay. So I want to start with some freedoms that you are allowed to have as a human being. Mm. Um, so it's okay to not go home for the holidays. It's okay to change holiday traditions. Mm. It's okay to do what you want for the holidays. You don't have to spend the holidays with people you don't like or who make you feel unsafe or uncomfortable. Uh, You can choose to stay home for the holidays if that's what you want to do. Uh, you don't have to host holiday celebrations, even if you always have, and even if you already said you would, you get to change mm. At you, what point is it an asshole move, though? 
Um, like like okay. an hour before? The, the first thing that just popped in my head was two days before. I, I mean, I don't get to be the arbiter yeah. of assholishness, right? I mean, just don't yeah. think about it. You know? I think it's fine if people want to cancel going somewhere else, but probably yes. like not the best move to like cancel, yeah. like, you know, like an hour okay. before people are expected. Right. right. Unless it's an emergency. Exactly. Um, it's okay to stay at a hotel. Mm, that's a move. Yeah. Yeah. That can be a super good move because mm-hmm. you know it's so, it's a lot easier to leave when you don't have to stay there. Um, you don't have to live up to others expectations for the holidays or uh, ever actually. you don't have to talk about subjects that are private or that make you uncomfortable. Uh, It's okay to ask for what you really want for the holidays. I mean that both in terms of gifts and like time off or whatever, you know, Mm -hmm. rest. Mm -hmm. Um, It's okay if people get mad at you for setting boundaries during the holidays. Mm -hmm. And I have a couple affirmations in a little bit that'll help with that. Um, You don't, have to explain yourself if you've changed your holiday traditions. If you want to explain yourself, you can choose to do that, but you don't have to. And you but pause. Mm-hmm. But, but when at you said you can if you want to, mm-hmm. but at what point are we crossing into? Um, I'm explaining this as it's a trauma response. How how do you how do you suss that out? So. I feel like it has to do with choice. Are you actually choosing to share this information with this person? Because I feel like you have to want to do, or do you feel like it's a compulsion, right? So trauma response equals compulsion usually, you know, Mm, Good. Um, and you don't have to exchange gifts if you don't want to. I know there's a lot of holidays this coming up where people exchange gifts. So then the next thing that I want to share is um, the concept of, differentiating between harms and hurts. So many people don't want to set boundaries with other people, either because they super care what other people think about them, or they're really afraid of hurting people's feelings. So there's a distinction between harms and hurts. Okay. So it might hurt you to use a needle to take a splinter out of your finger, but it's not going to harm you. In fact, it's going to heal you. It might mm-hmm. hurt you to drill your tooth, but it's not going to harm you. It's going to heal you. So when you set a boundary with someone, it might hurt them. It might hurt their feelings, but it's not going to harm them. Mm-hmm. In fact, it may very well heal the relationship, if not immediately, but down the road. If you're starting to be honest with people and tell them the truth about who you are, at minimum, it's going to heal you because you're bringing yourself in alignment with what's who you really are with your integrity. And so like, keep that in mind. Yeah, you might hurt somebody's feelings, but you're not going to hell for that. And here's the other thing. Like if you're so worried about hurting other people's feelings, you've been hurting your feelings and your feelings matter. So keep that in mind. Um, and now I have some tips. So tip number one is when you go to set a boundary, do it promptly. Do not wait. Like I always used to wait for the right time. Well, here, you know when the right time is? It's now. So waiting is not going to make it easier. It usually makes it harder because you start thinking about it and you're like, when is going to be the right moment? And you missed it. And then you're like, oh, so do it right away. So either um, as soon as you realize this is going to be my boundary or as soon as the invitation comes. So You know, like if somebody says, oh, we want you to come over for Thanksgiving, you can say, excellent. Thank you. I need to leave at seven. Soon as they give you the invitation, Mm -hmm. right? So you put it on the table and that way you're not like 655, like, oh shit, I got to go. And I forgot to tell them. And I, you know, all that. Mm -hmm. It's also respectful of other people to tell them right away. Mm -hmm. Tip number two, don't apologize for setting a boundary. Like if you're going to miss something, you can be sorry that you're missing it but not sorry that you set a boundary. You get to set boundaries. So an example might be, grandma, I know you don't approve, but I'm going to see my father. So you don't have to apologize for wanting to see your own father. Mm. Um, Tip number three, this is one of my favorite ones, depersonalize it by having a quote rule. So sometimes you're going to actually come out and say, I have a new rule, but other times you're just going to imply it. So this is an example. I'll no longer be in the middle of family arguments. 
So mm-hmm. it's about you, not about them. It depersonalizes it for the other person because it's your rule. I will no longer be in the middle of family arguments. Um, number four is to buy time. This is really my number one tool of recovery. I usually call it pausing. Mm-hmm. But if you don't know what you want to do or you don't know what the boundary is going to be, you say something like, I need to think about it. I'll get back to you. Mm-hmm. And if they pressure you, like, I need to know now, then you say, well, it's going to have to be no then. Uh, number five, this is another one of my favorites. It's give an alternative. So when somebody asks you to do something and you either can't or don't want to do it, if you say what you can do, rather than saying, I can't do that, what can I do? You get to name, I call it naming the terms of the engagement. So I can't make it on the actual holiday, but I can make it the day before or after. Mm -hmm. So you've given the alternative. You haven't just left it open. And being um, affirmative in what you can do makes it a lot easier because you don't get into a lot of back and forth stuff with people. Mm -hmm. Um, Number six is be polite. So, so many of us that have shitty boundaries uh, are used to completely exploding and being a dick about it because we've waited until people push us past our limits and we don't need to do that. So if you set the boundary as soon as possible, it's a lot easier to be polite and politeness is like the grease on the wheels of life and of social life that is. So, uh, for example, thanks for offering, but I'm going to take care of the menu this time. So if somebody keeps being like, oh, let me bring this, let me bring that, you know, I'm going to, so be polite about it. So I do have a caveat. So if somebody is inebriated, if they have a personality disorder, if they're toxic, if you're unsafe, no need to be polite, throw that shit out the window and just be a dick about it because they're not going to listen if you don't. But most people, you start with politeness. Um, And then my last one is don't lie. So mm-hmm. I did a lot of that in my people pleasing behavior. I instead mm-hmm. of saying this is my boundary, um, I would make up some bullshit excuse and blame it on someone else, which chips away at my integrity mm-hmm. when I do that. And having healthy boundaries is all about getting back into alignment with your integrity. So you might say, I'm going to my friends this time, so I won't be there. Okay. So instead of like, oh, I have to work or you know, whatever. Just tell the truth. Like you get to live your life the way that you want. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So um, now I have um, three affirmations and um, you can tweak them however you want. So the first one is I am safe. Even when people are upset, mm-hmm. I am enough. Even when people are upset, mm-hmm. I am loved even when people are upset. Mm. Now you can move those around however you want, whether it's, you know, you need to feel loved or enough or safe, you know, maybe it's a different feeling you want to have. Or like one client said to me, it's not that people are upset. It's that when they give me the silent treatment, that's when I feel like, Mm -hmm. oh, I'm going to die. So for her, it's I'm still loved even when people give me the silent treatment. And then, um, Another thing about healthy boundaries is most people get that having healthy boundaries is about keeping like negative shit out, but it's also about letting good things in. People Mm -hmm. with healthy boundaries let in good things like praise, support, help, leisure time, hobbies. So you get to relax. You get to spend time doing fun things. You don't have to run yourself ragged for the holidays, you get to allow good things in. And the other thing about boundaries is that they're really the line between what's mine and what's not mine. So the things that are yours, the way I think of it is, you know, I have a boundary and the way that I depict this in my work is I, you know, draw a circle and then what's inside the boundary is mine and the boundary itself is mine. So what's inside the boundary is your property, so to speak. In other words, it's yours to take care of and it's no one else's to take care of. Mm-hmm. So your feelings, your beliefs, your behaviors, and your attitudes are yours. They're not other people's and they're not, I used to, like, I internalized the beliefs and the attitudes of my family, but I didn't know it until I got into recovery. So a feeling might be like, for me personally, I love Christmas. 
I don't give a fuck what anybody else thinks. I love Christmas. Um, a belief. Christmas is and a muscle cars. Part of, and yeah. yes, I do yeah. love muscle cars. Ooh, a Christmas muscle car. That would be amazing. Um, so a belief for me is Christmas is a wonderful season of wonder and awe. Now I know that's not true for everybody. And that wasn't my history of my life, but I, I, that's what I want. And that's what I believe. And so that's the experience that I have. Um, a behavior of mine, I decorate my home for Christmas. So, you know, in the last few years when I, at like, and when I first got into recovery and I still went to my family's house, like my brother, literally no, like you, there was no way that you could understand that it was Christmas. Like I can't, and we always decorated my whole life. It's just when my mom died, he was like, fuck it. I don't feel like doing it. And like that, you get to do that. That's your life and that's your house. But what I do is I decorate my home for Christmas. Um, and an attitude that I have is I don't believe in exchanging gifts with friends. I would way rather spend time with my friends or do something with my friends. So that's, I, I, right now I just exchanged, um, gifts with my sweetheart. That's it. Uh -huh. So, and then what's not your property is outside the boundary. So that's other people's feelings, beliefs, behaviors, and attitudes. It's none of your damn business. You don't have to agree with them, but it's not up to you to change people's thoughts or feelings. Um, so if someone else feels upset or hurt or insulted by you setting boundaries, that's, you know, you don't want to do that on purpose. But if that's their feeling, it's not up to you to, like, convince them to not be hurt mm -hmm. or upset. Mm -hmm. Um if they believe that you're selfish because you're taking time for yourself or you're setting boundaries, that's their belief. And they get to have that belief. It's their property. It's not yours. You don't get to manage that. Mm -hmm. um, if they stonewall you because that's the repercussions from doing the boundaries, you don't, that's their behavior. It's not yours to manage. You can't turn them into someone who doesn't do that. Mm -hmm. Um, and their attitudes, like maybe they're super ungrateful people, you know, and if they're ungrateful, you can't turn someone into a grateful person. That's their property to manage. And then you get to decide, you're like, what am I going to do now that I see like, this is a super like judgmental, ungrateful, stonewalling person. Do I want to spend time with them? And then the last thing I want to end with, um, that I, I really don't think I understood the value of this until a couple years after I learned it. And that's bookending. Mm -hmm. So you can bookend with yourself. If you are the kind of person who can follow through for yourself, chances are, if you don't have healthy boundaries, you're not there yet, but maybe you are um, with other humans and with God. So mostly we do it with other people, but you can, you know, like I ask God for guidance all the time and I could ask God to, you know, to be with me. And I don't think I've ever actually checked in with God after the fact, but I think, you know, like you talked on the, the Patreon group last week about having a plan ahead of time, include God in that plan. Mm -hmm. You know, I think you're absolutely right. Having a plan. And so bookending is a really important part of a plan. So bookending can be as basic as I'm going to text somebody and say, Hey, I'm going to the gym today. And then I text them later. So that's super simple. It's not really that important where it comes in really handy is when you have an extremely difficult boundary to set or an extremely difficult situation to that be interaction. in. So, yeah. 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 So, so for me, like the most difficult situations that I've used it in, I've talked with, so I, my book ending, I call them my boundary partner, my safe, healthy, emotionally healthy other person. I talk to my boundary partner ahead of time. I have them help me think through what am I going to say? Am I going to do it in person on the phone via email? Um, you know, what are the words I'm going to use? And then they also, so they help me make that decision and they tell me that, you know, I'm doing the right thing and I'm not a bad person and I deserve to have boundaries. And then the day that it happens, I talk to them before I go and they reaffirm for me, you're a good and decent person. You deserve to have this. I'm with you. Maybe mm -hmm. they pray with you if you're a praying person. And then you go to the lion's den with your, like, call, let's call that with your boundary target. Mm -hmm. And you go and you set your boundaries. Oh, I forgot to say the other thing you do with that person is you're going to have all kinds of 
difficult feelings mm-hmm. and they're going to help you process them. You don't have to sit with them by yourself the way you always did when you were a kid. So then you go and you set the boundary with the, with the boundary target. And then you come out of the lion's den and the chances are because you've already processed your difficult emotions with the person, the boundary partner ahead of time, you're probably not going to launch those feelings at the target of your boundary. And then after you get back from setting your boundary, then you reconnect with your boundary partner to say, help the other person. You process your difficult emotions with them, you know, and they reaffirm you, you did the right thing. And what this does is it helps us to know that we're connected to somebody else. So I know for me personally, I grew up in a family where it was either enmeshment or abandonment. There was no such thing as healthy separation. So I didn't know what the fuck that was. I didn't know that was a thing. So when I started setting boundaries, I felt like I was going to die because I knew abandonment. I didn't know healthy separation. Mm -hmm. And so when I have this other person sort of waiting in the wings for me, I know that I'm not abandoned. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know and so it really mm-hmm, helps mm-hmm, with that mm-hmm. so yeah that's I, mean, I have like seven gajillion other I know um, you do well I was just gonna say that so by the time you guys hear this the first one will already have happened but Barb has a series of workshops related to the holidays so I'll include a link in the show notes and she's got three other ones coming up yeah so I will be sharing um the information for that too yeah and even if people can't attend if they register they'll get the replay Oh, wonderful. Four completely different workshops, but Mm -hmm. they're all about the holidays. Beautiful. I want people to have healthy boundaries during the holidays and not go through the shit that I went through my first couple years of Mm -hmm. holidays Mm -hmm. where I had uh, completely unrealistic expectations. I thought I was setting boundaries, but I was trying to control people is what I was trying to do. Well, thanks, Barb. That was great. Welcome. Awesome. Well, that wraps up today's episode. As always, I hope you heard something that can help you on your own journey. As always, I know you did. And as always, if you didn't seek help and join the damn Patreon. Uh, Thanks to Barb. That was great. And thanks to Andrea. You are, you're, you're um, an exceptional, what a, what a gal, what a gal that Andrea. Check out the show notes and join her damn Patreon. Okay. Um, so I'm really tired and I don't really have anything exciting to share and I need to edit this because I need to go to bed at some point and hopefully in the near future, I won't be a procrastinator. Actually, it's not procrastinating. You guys, it's not procrastinating. I am just a one man band. And so there's other things that I have to do. It's not like I'm sitting around twiddling my thumb, but hopefully in the near future when I can get some help, I won't be finishing my episodes late on Tuesday evenings. That's the goal. So I hope you have a wonderful Thanksgiving again. And um, again, I'm having the meeting on Thursday for you shit show pirate party peeps. Hope to see you there. Love you all. And I'm going to see you next week for another fucking amazing episode of Adult Shot. Super raw, super final. So excited. If you're out of here, it's going to be a good day. I promise. Don't let it all go.